I checked you out, McLeod. As I can tell, we're not going to have a problem. Oh, there's just one. You're after Carl Robinson. I'm just out of the state. Catch a killer, the world's a better place, don't you think? For who? You know what he is. <laughs> Serial killers, cannibals, mad bombers, psychopaths come in all shapes and sizes, Mr. McLeod, and it makes no earthly difference to me, because my job's simple. I bury them. Yeah, but there's no murder here. It was a fight between immortals. He had no choice. Maybe not this time. But this time, I will have him. For what? Carl Robinson's no murderer. Oh, well, we have a verdict from Judge McLeod. Or are you the whole jury? Let me tell you a little something about your good friend Carl Robinson. He's a murdering bastard. And he always has been. your cute buns i could welcome to highlander rewatch the podcast where each and every week we talk about another facet of the highlander universe and this week's no different i'm one of your rewatchers i'm keith this is kyle this is Eamon. welcome it's <laughs> to episode three of season five manhunt no manhunt man escapes the manhunters mm-hmm. mm. green lantern well this episode is different in the sense that there are some cute buns that's right they're Eamon's. They're Eamon's cute buns. Hubba hubba. They're hot cross buns. It's got a bun in the oven. I do. I have just one two cheek. hot buns and one bun in the oven. I'm pregnant. <laughs> okay. And have a great a- ass. <laughs> got a great ass. You all are invited to my baby shower. There will be a registry on Amazon.com soon. You sure it's not on Etsy.com slash Highlander Rewatched? Yeah, that's where it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Buy some magnets, you cheapskates. <laughs> JK, I don't want to get any angry emails. No. But if you are angry, send it to me only and mm. not to Keith or Kyle. No. And not that new baby. And not my new baby. Send it only to the new baby. Send it to at my new wah, baby. Wah, at gmail.com. You know how people like make their baby listen to stuff in the womb? Yeah, you'll read them. I'll the like hate mail. read them the, e- the hate mail <laughs> emails. Very good. Well, before. Very good. <laughs> well, maybe you can read them some Highlander catalog descriptions. Ooh, hey, we're about to good. do that right now. Right, Keith, <laughs> Let hook, me show you how it's hook done. Hook it up to my belly. Yeah. All right. Keith, say it straight to that fetus. So, before we hop into this episode, we're going to take a trip down memory lane with the Highlander catalog. And so, the way this works is I'm going to read an entry from the Highlander catalog to Kyle and Eamon, and they're going to try to guess how much this item may have cost. So, this week we are reading out of the 10th anniversary 1997 Highlander product catalog and I will be reading for you the description for products 306 you Ooh, guys are ready six and so you have to get as close as you can to the actual price you can go over or under it doesn't matter uh, whoever's closest wins my respect for the rest of the episode so very fittingly today we're going to be talking about the 10th anniversary baseball denim jacket Ooh, Ooh I bet it's not 10 years old <laughs> Washed denim body. I've got a washed denim body. Washed denim body. Uh, contrasting cotton twill sleeves, quilted fleece lining, full snap front, knit collar, cuffs, and band bottom. Highlander 10th anniversary logo, beautifully embroidered on the back with Highlander sword logo in red on the front left chest. This is one great jacket! Exclamation point. They're great. And that's it. 
That's it. That's wow. it. It's a simple description, guys. There's not, not that much first. hyperbole in this one. No. Usually they're like, this legendary jacket will take you to the World Series. <laughs> this, <laughs> this jacket, crafted by the god Hephaestus himself. Uh, and contains the DNA of Babe Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty straight ahead. This comes in medium, large, and extra large. Hmm. And there is a separate product number for the extra, extra large, which does Ooh. cost more. But let's just go with the normal the normal baseline price for this. Which size do you think they sold the most of? Extra, extra large? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> take that. Us. Us, yeah. us yeah. fans of the show. <laughs> Kyle, what is the retail price? For a full body wash denim, I'm going to guess. With it, contrasting cotton twill sleeves. I'm going to guess it is Forty-four ninety-eight. Nice job on the ninety-eight. Picking up from Ooh, that, lessons that, have that been learned. Good, yeah, Amen. I'm, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say seventy-five ninety-eight. <laughs> All right. Gonna say. Amen. You, you are the winner. Ooh. Actual retail price is one hundred and twenty dollars. Uh, Y'all ready for this? And the extra extra large is one hundred and twenty-eight. So eight dollars. Eight dollars to make it bigger. Interesting. Right. Eight dollars to make it bigger. When I become a, a prostitute, that's going to be my tagline. Eight dollars to make it bigger. <laughs> yep. So, do you guys want to guess now what that might cost in today's nineteen nineteen twenty nineteen money? What? <laughs> Whatever. And what was the base price? One twenty. One twenty was what this used to be. I'm going to guess that it is one sixty five. Amen. Two hundred dollars. Amen wins again. Oh, it would be a hundred and ninety dollars. Whoa! God damn. These some expensive Highlander products. Like, are there like I've never been to like the HBO Game of Thrones store. I'm sure there is one. Such a thing exists. I'm probably. Uh, oh, like online. Yeah, not like, not the, like okay. the, the Times was, Square I Game of thinking, Thrones yeah, store. No, no, that's what I was thinking for some reason. It just sells stuffed flayed men. But uh, <laughs> no, I like I can't imagine. Like, do you think? Those stores for these like current shows are selling like two hundred dollar jackets. Maybe they are. I don't know. All right, guys, you ready to get the deets on season five, episode three, Manhunt? Let's do it. This was first aired October fourteenth, nineteen ninety six. This was directed by Peter Ellis. This is his fifth of six Highlander episodes. In order, he did Studies in Light, The Fighter. Unholy Alliance, part one and two. Uh, he's directed lots of uh, Silk Stockings, Hercules, Diagnosis, Murder, and Sliders. Diagnosis, Murder. Mm. That's a, th- Those were some pretty good episodes in that list. Yeah. yeah I like both of these. a good track record. Yeah. Not too shabby. He also directs an episode of Highlander the Raven. That's a raven. This That's was ri- so Highlander the Raven. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. <laughs> This was written by David Tynan. Last episode we saw from him was the season five opener, Prophecy. So we got guest stars. Bruce A. Young, he's back as Carl he's Robinson. Back, baby. We first saw him in seasons two's Run for Your Life. Seasons two's. <laughs> yes, I did say seasons two's. Seasons gr- two's Is that greetings. like Attorney's General? Yes. <laughs> Attorney's General's Steakhouse. <laughs> This episode also guest stars Eric Keenly's side as Trey Franks. This guy should look familiar to people. Cause. Well, you guys don't know it. He knew it. Dolman Ross knew it. Oh, shit. He's Dolman Ross. Mm -hmm. And he's another useless wiener. (laughs) (laughs) Dolman Ross knew he was a useless wiener. I know what I am. I'm a piece of shit. (laughs) I'm just trash. I can't even play ball. Or get my little wiener. My little Dolman Ross. That's right. <laughs> this episode, of course, guest stars Eric McCormick. 
uh, as Matthew McCormick. Uh, and everyone should know him as Will from Will and Grace. He's William. Will and Grace. Mm-hmm. He is William. And he was also on Lonesome Dove. That's TV right. It's a show. southern dude on that show, too. So the IMDb episode, the IMDb episode description reads, Immortal Carl Robinson has a great baseball career until he is seen killing another immortal and forced to run for his life. He asks Duncan for help. But when another man is arrested for the murder, Duncan becomes Carl's conscience as a mortal police detective. He's not a police detective. Um, (laughs) Matthew McCormick pursues Carl. In flashback to 1859, Louisiana, Carl is a runaway slave, again fleeing for his life. McCormick helps Carl, but Carl eventually kills some slaver friends of McCormick's. What a sentence. Jesus. So Carl Robinson, or Bruce Young, has to run so much in these two yes, episodes. I he has to run for his life. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. He runs all the time. Although he's good at it. He like, yes. He's like got Tom Cruise level running, running skills. skills. Like, yeah. yeah. Tom Cruise is our metric for running. Yeah. yeah. Tom Cruise knows how to run, right? He he really runs yeah. in all of his movies. And he's like featured. You got to have a Tom Cruise running <laughs> scene. I wonder how many combined miles he's ran in the Mission Impossible movies alone. That would a be lot. a great yeah. thing to calculate. Dun, dun, You're on dun, it, nerds. Dun. Yeah, that's your Mission Impossible. Should Ow. you choose to accept it. What just happened? I got crank in my neck. Uh-oh. Ow. Keith is injured. Ow. This is podcasting is serious business. Ow. Are you really hurt? Do Ow, you need to take a break? No, it hurts. I mean, it's okay, though. Do you want to go to some ibuprofen? No, I'm good. No, I'm good. Well, you just keeled over. Yeah. <laughs> I started talking like snarf. <laughs> okay, dickheads. So we open up in <laughs> Bailey Stadium. This is a real place. It's Nat Bailey Stadium. And it was that from 1978 to 2009. I had to look this up. Now it's it the now? Scotiabank Field at Nat Bailey Stadium. So and this is where, their baseball stadium. Where, hmm? where is that? Vancouver. That is in Vancouver. It is in Vancouver. Although the Vancouver baseball team is called the Vancouver Canadians. Their hockey team is the Chiefs, which is the baseball, the unfortunate name of the baseball baseball team team. in this episode. Interesting. Mm -hmm. They pay well, apparently. Yeah. So let's talk about it. What's happening? So there's some ADR of the baseball team getting ready to practice. And one guy is like, all right, let's go, you guys. And then there's a voice that just goes, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, boy. So they're warming up on the field. Our friend Carl Robinson from a previous episode is, I guess, on the phone with his agent. Right. And he and wants he 20 wants, mil. Yeah. Why isn't he practicing? <laughs> I think I think that's part of it is that, like, he's too good for it. Yeah. Like, he's kind of arrogant. Like, I think that's what the coach is kind of throwing at him a little bit. Or it, it seemed like he was done practicing. Oh, maybe. Because he was like, his car was there. He was, like, getting ready to go. His car is not just there. His car is parked, like, in the bleachers. Yeah, like, it's going to get hit by foul <laughs> balls. On his, like, Lamborghini. <laughs> So he's on the phone trying to get some money or else he's going to trade teams. He wants yeah. to work for Steinbrenner. And then these three kids come up to him and he's like, whoa, whoa, like first in line. And it's like, you think there's like a hundred people. There are three small children. <laughs> I think I think that's the joke. No, it's funny. It's yeah. cute. Uh, and he's making jokes about it. He's like, hey, this looks like that ball Griffey, you know, hit off me or whatever. Like, what the heck? It's cute. Uh, yeah, no, it's real cute. But then his coach, uh, Trey Franks, comes over and he's like, hey, you still got problems with softball? He's like, you know, giving him some baseball advice. You got to pull advice. the string. Pull the string. Yeah, what is the pull the string reference? So that is to throw a pitch that breaks sharply and perhaps late. Mm. A pitcher has only pulled the string if the batter is fooled into swinging where the pitch was going. 
not where it ends up. Therefore, yeah. striking him out. The image of a marionette jerking to one direction as the string is pulled hard. I got uh, that from Wikipedia. Ah, look at that. That's I know nothing about baseball. <laughs> so in the midst of all of this, we get the buzz. And so this distracts Carl from the whole thing. He's like not paying attention to the coach. He's like, I ah, yeah, gotta go, kids. This immortal dude shows up. He's like a surfer dude. Instead of just showing up, he decides, I'm going to climb on the roof. Like, of yeah. the bleachers. Why? Yeah. Why do that? <laughs> Great question. Why do it here, of right. all places? Like, it's, in the middle of the day. Yeah. It's while there's dozens of people around yeah. playing baseball. Let me just go up top. Up top. <laughs> Shalom. Is this a minor league team or a major league team? I think it's supposed to be a major league team. Because Griffey is ripping home runs off of him, apparently. So that very much implies that he's in the majors. Oh, right. Then why does this guy, Trey, think that he's a piece of shit... When he is a major league baseball coach. Well, I guess he's a coach and not a player. Who gives a shit? They make Trey, tons Trey, of money. Trey cares. Trey cares. Maybe he cares, but like he makes it sound like he's slumming it by being a coach in major league baseball. So many people, like, so well, many, but that so many actual washed up pieces <laughs> of shit would give their left nut for that job. And he's so down on himself. Anyway, I get it. We'll get, I get it. We'll get to it when we get there. I get there. it. Uh, his dreams were, you know. He had a field of dreams. That's right. So he had a whole speak. field of them. That's so many. And now all he has is a ghost dad. Yeah. <laughs> Carl Robinson goes to confront this immortal, and Trey's like, uh, you son of a bitch. Right. He doesn't think that Carl cares at all about him or what he, his like, advice, all that sort of stuff. So then we cut to the rooftop of the stadium, and Carl confront, confronts, confronts this long-haired dude. Corman. Also, so this guy Corman comes over to him and like grabs his jacket. He's like, hey, nice threads or whatever. I thought this was going to be like, like that was a hint to say like, oh, Carl doesn't have a sword with him at baseball practice. No, he has it. No, no right he does. under a it baseball It just pops up jacket. out of nowhere. This is one of the most what egregious bag? sword. Did he have a bag? He's got like a bag that I thought was full of baseball bats. Uh, oh. It was big enough to have a baseball bat in it, sure. I thought. Well, it just pops out. <laughs> so this is kind of funny. Corman's like, oh, I saw you on TV last night. It's like, you got a real problem with Southpaws or whatever. And he's like, too bad. I'm a Southpaw. And he like starts to fight him. I thought this was funny. I liked yeah. it. Those are people who are left-handed. So this guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Cor- Corman is bad and gets his head cut the fuck off. Yeah, I like the way they so shoot cocky. this. <laughs> yeah. I like the way they shoot it. Like, they show his, like, body fall off. Uh, yeah. But, like, they don't actually show the beheading. Yeah. Like, right. you just kind of hear the sound. But then we get a dummy fall, and it's yeah. awesome. Headless dummy fall. <laughs> so, of course, there's, like, lightning, and, like, everybody sees this happen. Yeah, they see... Well, they also seem they to see, see a headless corpse get... fall to the ground. And they seem to see, like, the world's greatest baseball player get struck by lightning. Yeah. Right. And he's and like, then... <laughs> And then, like, the little kids even run over, and they're like, ew! It's like, oh, shit! Like, yeah, these, these kids... kids saw a headless body explode yeah. on the pavement. They're gonna have nightmares. <laughs> and Carl's like, you don't understand. But then he hightails it out of there. I felt yeah. bad for Carl in this moment. Yeah, that yeah. sucks. Aww. Yeah. Also, Carl drives a transformer. <laughs> his, his car is insane. Oh, we didn't mention like the kids break into his car. <laughs> they break into it. Well, they they, they open it. Like yeah. I was like, Does Carl oh yeah, not? they do. Like, I they're like, oh, check that. out this car. Yeah. They just open it up. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. That's you don't keep nuts. that shit locked. Yeah. It is a nice car, though. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, if you're into that kind yeah, of yeah, it's completely impractical. No thanks. Wait, yeah. in the ep- in the original episode with Carl. He's like fights drug dealers. Yeah, doesn't something happen to his car? Doesn't he steal Charlie DeSalvo's car? Yes, yes that's what it is. That's yes. it. All right. 
Now he has now his own car. Yeah, 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 the arc is complete. The arc is complete. Shut up, Keith. Now the circle is complete. So anyway, that's our opening teaser. It's a pretty good teaser. It is good. So we cut to the dojo, and Mac is reading a newspaper that says, Star Pitcher hunted in gruesome slang. And I noticed that the paper is the Northwest Ledger. Anyone catch that? Ooh, no. I think that's the paper that Mac wrote for. That that's ah. like a very subtle little Easter egg. That was that's cool. So cool. Yeah. yeah. So subtle. Why is Mac wearing a suit? I, was, I <laughs> yeah, had that. He's in a full <laughs> suit he's in and a he has three a briefcase. <laughs> yeah. What was he doing? Gym business? <laughs> All right. No idea. So yeah. he walks into the dojo and a little kid is there who's got like a secret message for him or whatever. Yeah. Was this kid in the previous episode or something? No, I don't Because he had a kid sidekick in the other episode, didn't he? Oh, did he? I thought so. Huh. Yeah. A companion, if you will. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> this kid's got some attitude. He's like, I'm the one asking questions here or whatever. Anyway, he gives Mac this note that says something warehouse, kanky, kanker. What's the what? name of the warehouse? I don't know. It's a place where Carl Robinson is staying. And so he goes running off. It's Men's Warehouse. Yeah, it's Men's, men's warehouse. warehouse. You're going to love the way you look. Mac I guarantee does. it. That guy does remind me of Joe Dawson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this kid runs out. Max trying to grab him. And then he like does a weird double take where he like looks back in the dojo, spins back around, and... Here we go. Hugs Ooh. a woman. Hugs uh, married with children. He doesn't. He like is. touches her, realizes it. It's obviously not the person, and, and touches he, her. And more. then he just uh, keeps going. What yeah. the fuck is well, this? She's doing it too. Yeah. A few seconds later, it's a, a pair of Joe Bidens ran into yeah. each other. <laughs> <laughs> Biden on Biden collision. Yeah. Oh, boy. I hate this character. Well, uh, because uh, yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. Does she come back? No, she in any she, other episode? no, she's, she's like another, back. She's in another scene. I can't wait for that scene. You can, so, you can wait, you can wait, and you so will let's wait. let's talk about what happens here. This wonderful scene between these two characters. Her name is uh, Glenda. Glenda, the Good Witch. Yes, That's the Good right. Witch. That's why she's wearing pink. So she's got like a workout outfit, and she's like, I don't, I don't understand any of this. No, because yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Is this place open? <laughs> it's a dump. Blah blah blah. Like we need an interior decorator. Yeah, uh, we should. We need to talk about like she's Her voice. She's a she's stereo. Like Fran Drescher. Yeah, yeah, that is exactly who she is. Yeah, she's Lois Griffin. Yeah. Uh, so she is like, oh, apology accepted. Mac apologizes for touching her. Right. And she's like, I get worse on the subway. Whatever that means. That's horrible. The Sea Cooper subway yeah. is fucked. full of dogs. <laughs> so she's like, who's the fucking Neanderthal that runs this place? And. It's Mac. So he leaves, and then she's like, dope. <laughs> and she like hits herself in the head. head. Yeah, it's like, Ugh. there is a cartoon in the middle, not even the middle of the episode, the second beginning. scene of this like, episode. She, I guess she's trying to get a job or something. Is that yeah. it? And she like stops him and is Wait, like touching is? I him. I thought she was just there to work out. Dress for the job you want. I think whatever she's, she's like wearing. a decorator and she's trying to like angle him or something. Is that Why it? she dressed like she wants to work out? I don't know. She I don't think that's it. But she's like touching him and like, do you know who owns this place? And like, she starts like playing with his jacket. I do that when I see men in jackets. This is really weird. Which is very unfortunate in my job because I always see men in jackets. I'm going to try this uh, when I join a gym. Go up to, hey, how's it going? You're going to try wearing a suit to a gym. That's it. So Carl and Mac meet up. That's right. In the Laker warehouse. Found the name. There it is. Like the clanky what? Carl's really down in the dumps. Apparently, he just had a meeting with the mayor and the governor, and they want him to like run for some kind of statewide office or yeah. something. Now he's a murderer on the run. Yeah, he's like really 
sad because yeah. he's like, oh, I've been waiting three lifetimes to like play baseball and make a difference, and now it's all gone up in flames because right. this little shit had to attack me during practice. Yeah. So we get a flashback, and so we get a lot of the previous flashback scene from yeah, Run for need, Your Life. I didn't need this. Um, I I enjoy this flashback a lot. It's I think a it's good. It's a good flashback, but and it does have that great like, who are you, Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Great. So Mac. Jacks up some racists with his car and saves Carl Robinson from a nasty lynching. Right. So we got back to the present, resuming the previous scene. Mac wants Carl to just forget it and move on because he's a fucking asshole. (laughs) It's like this was his dream. Come on, Mac. Like a little empathy. Yeah. Oh, just forget it. The little empathy thing is exactly right because like that might even still be the right advice. It's like, look, there's probably nothing you can do about this. We're going to have to. Figure it out. But he's, like, not at all being sympathetic. Yeah. At all. No. So, like, this terrible thing that just turned his life upside down. You know, his friend. Yeah. Oh, you just have bad timing, Carl. But Max, like, come to my place. I'll help you out. We'll figure this out. Right. And we also find out that Carl can't access any of his money. Right. So, like, he's really in a bind. Like, everything he has now. Like, he's got to start. If he starts over, it's from nothing again. But we get some soprano sax music, and they do a cool handshake. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, at the baseball diamond. Yep, we get some mouth heart music. Yeah, is that what that... Right. Uh, There's a lot of that in this episode. Yeah, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> so Eric, it's like the southern version of an air horn. Meanwhile, at the baseball field, Special Agent Matthew McCormick shows up. He likes Special Agent Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, Matthew up. McConaughey, and I don't know. He picks up like I- I'm confused about the timeline on this stuff. That he walks over and just seems to pick up a piece of blatant evidence that's on the ground, whatever it is. Yeah, and he puts it in a bag. He puts it in a bag and puts it in his trunk. Yeah. <laughs> And he has a sword in his trunk. I did like the reveal of the sword in the trunk. I thought that was cool. And he's like, oh, you're that serial killer guy from the FBI. Why are you here? Great question. Why is a serial killer guy here from the FBI? I seriously do have... uh, I'm confused about the timeline. Like, Mac read a newspaper article about this murder... And then they still have the body there. And they're like the body's there. They're taking pictures of it. It's like, what the fuck? Anyway, whatever. And he's like, hey, uh, so nobody knows where Carl Robinson is? I'm like, yes, nobody knows where he is. That's the point. <laughs> right. He also claims he was murdered with a sharp object. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, no really? shit. Oh, really? <laughs> His head just came off. It, well, it didn't come off in the fall, I guess. So they're driving back to the dojo, and Mac is like, ah, oh, just start over, whatever. Carl says this isn't fair. Mac suggests, like, we'll just move to another country, change your name, do all that. I want to pause on something here. Yes, sir. Uh, Carl compares himself to Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> so, boy. Now, I, I don't know. I think that might be a stretch, Carl. Uh, yeah, I think so, too. A little self-aggrandizing. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> hey, but unlike those guys, you can't get killed. <laughs> That's true. Also, you did kill that guy. Right. He you did, were wrongly he did the framed for, yeah. <laughs> for killing that guy. You killed that guy. Mm-hmm. So when they're pulling up to the dojo, they get the buzz, and they see there's a bunch of cops there. Duncan makes a weird quip. He's like, oh, like they must have really done their homework. Taxpayer dollars at work. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, <laughs> Anyway, uh, I guess Carl realizes it's Eric. Like He sees him. Yeah. So they like... Matthew? Whatever. Eric McCormick, Matthew McCormick. It's all the same. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. Uh, so they spin the car around and hightail it out of there. But Matthew has seen them. Mm-hmm. How did they track Carl to McLeod's? Great question. I, I was thinking that because they have not gone there yet. Oh, Does a cop. Does Fran tell him? In the, in the Run for Your Life episode, a cop was after Robinson. So he is probably 
See, a known associate of McLeod. Yeah. Because, yeah, I guess this, he didn't, like, change his name to become a baseball player. Like, this Carl Robinson does have a, decision, a shady okay. past. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. That might be why. Shooting crack cocaine with a shotgun. Yeah. So, on the side of the road, Mac and Carl are talking about what's going on. So, he goes back a ways with Matthew. And so, he says, Matthew used to own me. And I was like, holy shit. Like, this is like a, That's I was like, intense. damn, in this episode. Like, Dark. oh, boy. Yeah, this is going to be yeah. intense. Which it ends up being not quite that but it's close yes so we get a flashback to louisiana 1859 this looks pretty good it's like a sepia like a light sepia tone thing there's a field slaves are working carl says he was a slave so long he doesn't remember what it was like to not be a slave i think i thought he might have been a slave for much longer we find out that this is his first death right so he was not like a slave for generations upon generations oh god that'd be so awful i know right yeah (laughs) Which is what I thought when he said, like, I don't remember what it was like to not be a slave. It's like, oh, shit, you might have been a slave for, like, 400 years. That's so fucked. Yeah. So, anyway, this fucking dickhead, Seth Hobart, uh, who's, like, the plantation owner, comes over with his daughter. name. Ho- like, something with the name Hobart is, Hobart. like, a... Uh, so, he comes over with his, I guess, oldest daughter, who has... Gotten knocked up. That's right. And so, she's looking for somebody to blame, and she decides to just point the finger at Carl. Which, they're gonna know, right? Like, do they know... That she's pregnant by a black man? No. Like... Unless she really is. Maybe she really is. I I think that's the idea. Oh, okay. Because it's just like, she's just going to have a white baby. And they're going to be like, whoops. (laughs) Uh So she points to Carl. And then fucking Hobart starts like, he's got like a riding crop. He starts hitting him. Carl runs. And there's a chase. And Seth ends up pulling a gun and shoots Carl in the back. Yeah, which is brutal. But then he wakes up. Yeah. This is when the Jim Burns... Uh, right. Like Great River song, I guess, acoustic is playing. Mm-hmm. So he wakes up. This is his first death. He goes on the run for a couple days. He stumbles across a camp and like steals some beans. Yeah, uh, but these, steal some beans. these guys find him and recapture him and they want to sell him again. Uh, so they're taking him down the road and they come across Matthew McCormick. And this is Carl's first buzz, baby's first buzz. And then Matthew buys him from them for twice the price yeah lots of money and he just has them in bags of gold yep yeah uh, he reveals that this is actually one of the guy who was seth hobart he's betrothed to one of her daughters so he'd actually seen this guy before right this is his uh his father-in-law is seth so there's a tense scene where you think you know matthew mccormick's gonna kill him they leave him shackled and don't give him the keys. Yeah, right. They so, sold them to him. They sold them oh, to him. It's like, you'll figure this out eventually. This sword must be so sharp, too, that he just hacks through it. Yeah, in one swing. Yeah. Also, can we talk about these two extras that aren't paid to speak? Oh. <laughs> they're, they just they're shake their a, head with yep. a frown. It's like, oh, come on. Come on yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah, that's really funny. Extra to ride a horse. Yeah. (laughs) So McCormick becomes Robinson's first teacher. So we cut back to Joe's. I love this transition because I'm a big fan when they transition from like uh, one place to another place. Like this doesn't resume the previous scene. It's like, oh, we started talking about this on the side of the road, and now we're at Joe's. Like, because right. it's like Carl telling the story. But also, the other thing that's really cool is they've got Joe Jim Burns playing guitar. This song. Right at Joe's, Joe's yeah, and he's so like it's awesome because it's also out. like yeah. even the soundtrack is like somehow in the present and in the past, which is cool. yeah, it's great. So he introduces him to Joe, who's I guess Joe's gonna aid and abet a criminal. I have a real problem with some of the dialogue here. <laughs> 
So Mac introduces Carl to Joe, and Carl's like, hey, do you trust him? And Mac goes, I have to. He knows about us. Fuck you, you, you asshole. Yeah, like, yeah. The entire Corbin. premise of the last episode was that like Joe has fucking sacrificed so much to be your friend. friend. And then when asked, do you even trust this guy? He's Mac like, isn't like, no, we've gone through thick and thin, and we're really good friends. He's like, I'm forced to. I have no option. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, Fuck this, you. This guy's glommed on to me. He's a real barnacle on my hide. <laughs> what an asshole. Yeah. Ugh. And Joe's just <laughs> like yep <laughs> i'm garbage <laughs> yeah. just walk all over my face why don't you i'm worthless <laughs> he's a real tray about this yeah. one uh, he's a real tray <laughs> thank you mac can i have another <laughs> anybody that can play delta blues like that bleep, 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 that's must right be okay and joe likes his baseball career too so they shake hands and they're fast friends. So Mac is going to head back to his place because he wants to talk to McCormick and figure out what's going on. Carl warns him. He's like, you're just asking for trouble. He's like, that dude is like seriously good with a sword. He taught me moves that like I'm still working on. And then we get some Kenny G music to end the scene. Yeah. <laughs> so just something about this, like when people warn Mac, like, hey, this guy's really good. I'm like, Duncan McLeod has beaten every opponent he's ever faced. If I was an immortal, I wouldn't. I would be like shit. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, oh, apparently Duncan McLeod is like the world's biggest badass. Yeah. Although I will say, technically, isn't every immortal alive? Haven't they all beaten every opponent they faced? Yeah, true. That's true. Yes, that's a good point. <laughs> and are they all fighting as much as Duncan, or does he have an unusually high kill death ratio? Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, do they, do they all murder their friends at the rate Duncan murders them? <laughs> so we cut to the dojo office. This is the clip at the top of the episode, and McCormick, as a agent of the law, has broken into Mac's office without a warrant, I'm assuming, and is just sitting there in the dark playing with the slinky that I will assume was Richie's. He then claims, falsely, that a slinky, if it has enough stairs, will go on forever, <laughs> which is definitely not true. Slinky, slinky. I don't remember the rest of the words. Huh. Or is uh, that the logs? Song? That was the logs. Log. It's yeah. log. It's log. It's big. It's heavy. It's wood. Isn't there a slinky log, song? Log. I think there is. Better than right. bed. It's good. I don't know. I had a slinky once. I straightened it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the fate of nearly all slinky. Mm. Slinky or slinky? Jim Varney. What about him? Slinky. Slinky? In the Toy Story movies. Oh, he's oh yeah. slinky. Up until his death. Uh, R.I.P. So he doesn't play Slinky anymore? No, he does not play Slinky, Slinky anymore. Is actually Slinky in those movies? I don't know. I, don't know. I think so. Well, maybe revoiced. Toy Story revoiced. <laughs> <laughs> it's our next podcast. We just revoice it. Every character is earnest. I would love that. There's a snake in my boots. So anyway, McCormick gives some like lowdown on what his scoop is. He's like, hey, I'm just serving justice, serving the state. He's like, a serial killer is a serial killer. I'm after this guy. Uh, and Mac is like, it's not fucking like that, you dope. You know what this is. You know what it is. It's what we do. Because, yeah, Carl murdered someone in self-defense. It's all part of the game. But McCormick says he's a murdering bastard and has always been one. And so then we get another flashback. So we're on the water with Matthew and Carl, and they're obviously a lot friendlier now. Right. And they're talking about the approaching civil war and how Carl should escape. Yeah, he's saying you should go up north or whatever. And also McCormick's mentioned something about, like, not all white people. It's like, well, uh-oh. There's a lot of that. <laughs> not all white people. He says he'll do that, but he's got to. not all men. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's going to go head up north, but he's got a couple things to take care of before he goes. McCormick says, like, do any of these things have a name? And Carl's like, it's none of your business. So it quickly becomes revealed that Carl is, you know, maybe going to finish his beef with uh, Seth Hobart. I mean, McCormick is immediately wise to him and goes, that is my father-in-law. 
you can't do that. You gotta let it go. Like, he's my family. Let him go, or I will come after you. Yes. And so then... Matthew also says, forgiveness is the power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness, and decency is something else you gotta learn. Hey, you know what else? <laughs> the, that decency did not break the literal shackles on right. these right. literally enslaved people. Yep. You dick. A lesson he hasn't learned <laughs> no. since the he seems fucking to have forgotten Civil this. War. Right. Yeah. Oh, boy. But this is some good dialogue. Matt, Carl's like, are you defending him? And he's like, well, what I am is, you know, married to his daughter. So yeah. that's the deal. Whoopee woo. <laughs> no, I, I think this is a good conflict. I like this. It is it is fairly I, compelling. I have an issue with it later when he describes some of these people as his friends. Yeah. That irked me. Especially which, when you describe them that way 200 years later. Yeah, you describe, like, yeah, I don't nah, think you need to feel that. that way about that. Yeah. But if he was just like, yeah, he's an asshole, but he's my father-in-law and you're not actually dead. Go. Like, if you do this, you're going to destroy my family. Right. Like, that's great bones for a conflict. They didn't need to add this layer of, like, oh, my buddies. True. I was thinking about that argument about, like, oh, and you're not actually dead. Like, I was reading about that this week, the the concept of moral luck. And it's, like, in a lot of these cases, it's like, oh, well, you're not really dead. It's, like, yeah, only because I'm immortal. Like, this guy's still a murderer. Sure. But I just mean it's easier to forgive. You know what I mean? Like, for you personally as the wronged party, it's like, well, it didn't actually happen. So, mm, like, it's right. a lot easier for me to suck it up because... Yeah. yeah. So It this, also enabled me to escape. Carl and Matthew break up. Carl's done with it. He's like, fuck you, I'm out. So then we cut a little later on the Hobart plantation, and Carl is kind of walking among the fields with he's got, like, a big straw hat on so he can't see, to see who it is. And Hobart comes up to him. He's like, oh, get back to work or whatever. And he reveals himself. And then Carl, like, grabs the riding crop starts slapping hobart and in the struggle hobart i guess pulls out his pistol this this is some good dialogue too i I like this he's like oh i got like strong working in your fields or whatever and he like overpowers him and ends up shooting him with his own gun in his like gut or whatever and killing him then that guy's son comes over and drops some hard ends or n words with the hard r i guess is another way of putting it yeah this is a surprising to hear it, yeah, was, it was a little. Uh, I was yeah. like, oh, whoa. And this is what, the third time this word has been said on this show? This guy runs at Carl, and Carl drops this guy. I kind of, yeah. yeah, he shoots him, and this dude goes flying, which I thought was pretty cool. And then Carl throws the gun down and mm-hmm. goes away. And then I like the way the, sh- the the shot at the end. There's like a crane shot that like yeah. pulls above the the bodies, like it's floating above him. Like Carl's just surrounded by the two bodies that he's killed. He's like, no more. This is I don't know. This was very cinematic. It was cool. No, this is great. So now they're back at the bar, and Mac decides to be really condescending about this. Yo, Mac <laughs> again, two episodes in a row is being a fucking asshole. Yeah, he Mac- fuck him so hard in this. He is like oh, i should have left it alone it's like what are you nuts like what a condescending dickhead thing like first off this dude owned people including him yeah your alleged friend oh yeah. my god oh just let it go man and he shot him in the back yeah right like i don't know mac just has no room to talk because mm-hmm. he's like the same guy who's always like well uh, I have to kill this guy because he shamed me. Like right. I have to. Ki- I I've killed men with their children watching, and then he's like, "You killed a guy who enslaved you, was horribly racist to you, and shot you in the back for doing for doing nothing." Yeah, unforgivable. Like 
I don't know. Mac is just like, his moral compass is always all over the place. And it's so hypocritical. I don't know. There's also other ways to express this idea. Like, Mac does not need to be defending these people to be like trying to walk him through why he's in a conflict with McCormick. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, ugh, like, you know, you didn't walk away. And now this conflict is here. He doesn't have to be like, why'd you do that, Carl? Also, it's so understand understandable why he did that. Yeah, like, like oh, oh yeah, okay. Like yeah, is this it, isn't a complicated issue. Yeah, it's like is it not great? Probably. Is it totally re- like understandable? Yep. Yep. <laughs> like also, there's another line here. Yes, I know what line you're going to uh, say. <laughs> so Mac is like, you shouldn't have done that. You should have left it alone. And then Carl is like, you shouldn't tell me what to do. And Mac goes, I'm not telling you what to do. You just <laughs> said you should have done this. Fuck you. <laughs> and when Mac says, that was 200 years ago, you should just forget about it. What? Yeah. Which, whoa, whoa. Like, Which in the very last episode, he carried a grudge for being teased for 400 years. Yeah, right. he was teased, not Owned by a person. <laughs> yeah. What? And murdered. <laughs> For no reason. Also, Mac drops another bomb here. Mac, oh, uh, oh. he then also says, when you became an immortal, you stopped stop. being a slave. No! The color of his skin didn't change. Like, his he position in society. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh. He wasn't all of a sudden, like, put on a separate parallel track where everyone treated him nicely. No! <sighs> what a dick. But racism's over, Keith. We had a black president for a minute. Yeah. yeah. An illegitimate black president. <laughs> Hawaii, Kenya. <laughs> Garbage. Wow. Ugh. Makes me so... This whole thing makes me so angry. This is built into Max's character. We saw him in India. You know, now he's doing... He's a tool of the white patriarchy. Yeah, right? Yeah, he literally is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And Carl does say, he's like, I didn't go there to kill him. He's like, but I'm not sorry it happened. Nor should he be. I agree. So then we cut to the ballpark, and Trey Franks, he's uh, the pitching coach. He's sitting on the sidelines looking sad. He's having his own Mumble Mac moment. He is having a Mumble Mac moment, and the stadium is full of trash. Why? (laughs) What is happening? They just had a game. They haven't cleaned it up. I guess. Like, I I was trying to interpret, like, why is there so much trash on the field? Like, it's in the zone. It's in the zone. (laughs) That's where the ballpark is. Oh, boy. The Cooner Zoners. The Cooner. What? Did you call him C. Cooter? I said C. Cooner. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which, in the context of this episode, is not good. <laughs> Holy shit! I didn't even think of that. C. Coover Zoners. Zoners. <laughs> Yikes. Oh. Zeist. This scene is insane. And there's like weird baseball music playing, I guess, in Trey's imagination. Yes. There's like people cheering. Oh, there's like the announcer saying like, oh, it's a no hitter or whatever. Like, it's all about how great Carl was. And I was thinking like, I was like the trash on the field. It was like, oh, did like Carl saved the team? Like, did, is now no one coming? <laughs> like, the, is that what this is? I, I couldn't really figure it, it out. So dirty in like 24 <laughs> exactly. hours. I don't know. Maybe it was legitimately that dirty. And they were like, we can't, we don't have the time to clean this up. We got to shoot the scene. That could be. Like there was a storm the night Maybe before. Maybe they filmed this first. Yeah. Maybe they filmed it right before the stadium was demolished. <laughs> So now we cut. Carl is walking down an alley, and a police car pulls up behind him, and he's like, hey, stop, freeze. I can tell it's you because you're wearing a Carl Robinson jacket. You dumb <laughs> Yeah, dumb. yeah, you real dumb dumb. Yeah. Just and par- actually, in this bar- moment... Borrow a coat from Mac. Yeah. <laughs> also, does he have the same number as Jackie Robinson? No, his coach does, uh, I believe. His coach wears the uh, 42. Interesting. Gotcha. 
Mm. Unless does Carl also wear it? Does his, the coach wear the same number as the player? Mm. I, I did have a note that the coach has the, the 42 twice. Gotcha. So, which is, yes, Jackie Robinson's number. So anyway, this is a cool scene. It's all the running. Yeah, more running. More running. He jumps over life. some uh, some barbed wire and then gets entangled in tubing. tubing yeah, in like a hose. In a hose. Oh, no. So this is like Bella Lugosi in uh, Bride of the Monster when <laughs> the, the octopus. octopus is attacking him. And he's just like, he tangles himself up in these tubes. Like, like how did he get... One is around him like a donut. <laughs> I like the music here. Yeah, it is good. So we got to the police station. Matthew's there talking to Mac. And he says, all serial killers are the same. Who's all serial killer? Oh, boy. He's like him. But then Mac. Mac. Oh, boy. Here's, here's our lesson from last episode. He's like, oh, is this about revenge or justice? It's like, good question, Mac. Look in the mirror. There's no statute of limitations on murder. Also, Carl did kill those guys. Sure. So, like, I don't know. That's the thing that's interesting. It's like, he killed these people. He had a good reason to kill them. Right. They're probably, they're almost certainly very terrible people. Right. But they had a close relationship with this guy, and he even said before he did it, like, do not kill these people or there will be consequences. So this is good. This is like collision course stuff. Yes. Although Mac then says, he's like, you can't condemn him for something we all do. And I was like, that's not how that works. Like, just because everybody does something doesn't make it morally right. Well, he's trying to, no, he's saying you can't condemn him because the crime he's going to be prosecuted for is the killing of that goofball on the roof yeah not Not for that roof ball not for (laughs) killing the mortals 150 years ago i guess that's true so that's what he's talking about and he's like no 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 like this is to make up for what he did in the past and he's like i don't think our friend carl robinson's gonna make it to prison right but I got that southern molasses So during this conversation, a cop walks over to McCormick, whispers something, and it turns out they've got a confession. Ooh. From somebody else. From somebody else. <laughs> Would it bum, be bum, the bum. only other character in this episode? <laughs> yes. Uh, so they bring in Frank in handcuffs. Anyone notice that he does like a double take at a... Trey? Oh, I, I write Frank a couple times. Yeah, he looks tra- like a Frank. Trey Franks. Trey excuse Franks. Me. Right. That's when you get hot dogs and they serve them to you on a tray. Oh, yeah. Trey Franks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm white trash. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> so great. Jesus. You're great. There's so- no point to Trey Franks. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hey guys, I love our podcast so much, but I wish I could find a better way to help people support us. If only there was something we could do. Well, I heard about this site called Patreon, and I've heard that we have a Patreon oh. that our listeners can contribute to. Oh, who'd you hear that from? I heard it from you. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. You can go to patreon.com slash rewatch. Keith, tell the people what they'll find there. A website. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> uh, on our Patreon website, you will find different tiers of donations. And for every donation we get, you get a different reward. So if you want to donate a dollar a month, what do they get, Kyle? Oh, if you donate a dollar a month, you get a special thank you shout out on this very podcast. That's right. But you can donate more than a dollar if you'd like. We've got different levels at the five, ten, and fifteen dollar a month levels. And you can head on over to patreon.com slash rewatch to find out what those rewards are. Yeah, you gotta keep them guessing. You want to be a legendary VMOS tier rewatcher. That's right. Rewatch finale part two if you don't understand why that's the shit. Yep. Cream of the crop. VMOS. <laughs> VMOS. Vima the crop. Nope. Vima the crop. Yep. Nope. That works terrifically. <laughs> okay, okay. I adore it. So go check it out. 
really any amount of support really helps us do this. This takes a lot of work and time and effort, especially for rewatcher Keith to edit our show and whatnot. It really helps keep us going and it warms the cockles of our hearts. Become a patron of Highlander Rewatch today. So we cut to the dojo, and Mac and Carl are arguing. And Carl's Mac- like, "Oh, I'm free." Yeah, he's like, "Uh oh, too bad." Fuck Trey Franks. <laughs> it's just surprising to me that Carl would be so okay with letting this guy rot. Well, the guy's always well, like, you know, he wants to do it. I guess and this is like a huge gift. Like, and also, I think we do think that Carl doesn't really think much of this guy. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, he's like, this loser wants to bail me out. Right. Great. It is a selfish, selfish position. It's not yeah. a good one. Yeah. Do we think this episode needs this? Some of the stuff around this is pretty good, but I feel like there's already, like, a pretty strong central conflict. Does it need this extra, like, moral quandary or no? I like this part a lot, personally. I I don't know. I dug it. I don't know if it needs it, honestly. I didn't really think about it, but I did like it. Duncan wants Carl to free the guy, and Carl is reluctant to do that for obvious reasons. And then Max stops him, and he's like, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. What you don't do. What you don't do is not do this. So they have an epic kerfuffle, a massive brawl. Oh, uh, before that happens, Max is another oh. fucked up thing. So Carl is arguing that he's like, I'm in a position to make a difference. Like, I can make real changes for real people. Like, Frank is a washed up nobody. And then Mac is like, like slave Carl was. Carl? And, and I was like, whoa. And then he also does, he said, you're not a slave anymore. Oh. It's like, you're so condescending, Mac. Yep. Racism is over, Carl. There is no racism. Well, that was like Mac's weird viewpoint before. Like, yeah. stop blaming being black on shit, Carl. Fuck you, Mac. Yo, but this fight is awesome. Like, nuts. Uh, which, spoiler alert, there isn't really another a sword fight in this episode. Right. So they, like, really put a lot of work into making this, like, the cornerstone action beat. And they fucking destroy the dojo. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. They're, like, getting thrown through glass. They, like, smash their way through, like, whatever those weird pegboard things are. are. Do you want some more? Yeah, Carl just beats the shit out of Mac with, like, a stick. (laughs) This is good stuff. It's amazing. And somehow somehow Mac eventually turns the tide and smashes him through the window of his office. So there's just two good fights we've had with uh, Carl. Mm -hmm. Because on his last episode, their sparring was a good fight. Yeah, and it's fast. Like, that's, like, a 90-second real quick thing. Yeah. This is awesome. But who walks in but Fran Drescher? Yeah, ugh. I hate this. And so then there's like more lighthearted stuff with Carl and Mac, which I think is much like the Richie and Mac scene in the previous episode where it's like, we got to lighten this up a little bit so we know they're friends again. Uh, Hooray! So he's like squishing Carl. <laughs> yeah, so I guess he doesn't want her to see Carl for some reason. Like I guess just that there was a, f- I don't know. But yeah. she's like, oh my goodness. You could put a, a boutique here in a steam room or whatever. With a steam room. I don't understand this at all. Oh, yeah, but she comes in with, like, ideas. She's like, I took the liberty of jotting down a few ideas. She's just angling for a date with Mac. She wants to put a boutique in there. What does that mean? Who's that for? Ladies. A boutique of what? All the single ladies. Put your hands up. I don't understand. Well, she's cut out of the American version completely. Good. (laughs) Good. Yeah, it's terrible. I don't understand what the... I can't wait until she comes back. (laughs) When she showed up in this scene, I was like, I totally forgot about her. Yeah. Even though it was like 10 minutes before we saw her. Ugh. Uh, So that pays off not at all. So they go see Trey. Right. Back at the police station. And for some reason, 
Well, they're like in the waiting room or whatever. A cop asked for Carl's autograph, which was kind of funny. But I'm like shocked they even let Mac and Carl do this. They let him in there with no cop watching them. And they're not his lawyer or anything. Nothing. Unsupervised. Yeah, that's odd. Not a good move. Yeah. What if they both like killed him? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I guess Uh, then they wouldn't be able to get out. So we get a real interesting conversation. So Frank. Trey. Trey Franks. Well, first, okay, so Mac is, like, grilling Trey Franks about, like, oh, like, how did you do it? What did you use? A knife? You know, like, oh, it was a big knife or whatever. Why'd you kill him? I hated him. But, oh, you lent him money. Why'd you lend money to a guy you hate? I was like, huh? Like, this is confusing. Well, because he didn't pay you back. Right, so exactly. So started hating him? Yeah. the obvious answer? But... Uh, but I guess it's supposed to be, like, well, this, this guy's story doesn't really make sense, which I would agree. It doesn't really make a ton oh, so of sense. A bunch of people saw this. A bunch of people saw him that's, when the when this happened. That's the problem with this. Is like I wish they had just staged the original fight a little different. That it would be plausible that Frank was the killer. Fuck Trey, Trey Franks. Franks. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Because like. Because then it's, it's like, like, oh, okay. But, like, yeah, people saw this all happen. Yeah, it's very obvious that he did not do it. And if they asked a single goddamn person, they would know that. Back uh, up. So this guy confesses that he's a loser. He's got no life to live. Right. He at one point says he hates black people. Yeah, he was like, you're exactly what I hated when I was younger. You were rich, black, smarter than me. And he's like, but then I met you, and, like, you changed it. So, like, we, we get to see in love with Paul Robinson. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Oh, being serious. I didn't think so. I just think he saw, like, Carl was everything he wanted to be and wasn't. But he wanted Carl to win more than anything. anything. Right. That's, maybe he isn't. Maybe he isn't. Yeah, right. it's, it's got a romantic vibe to it. <laughs> and this moves Carl to tears. He says, the world loses Carl. It's worse off. But it lo- if it loses me, nobody cares. Again. This I'm not going to lie. You guys maybe didn't like this. I got, like, teary-eyed. I was like, this is awesome. Aw. <laughs> I thought it was just like a bit much. Also, again, you're the coach of a major league baseball team. He's a pitching coach. You're a pitching coach <laughs> for a major league Sorry. baseball team. I don't know. You've got a six-figure sal- a prestigious job and a six-figure salary. Like I don't know if he's making that much money. You think a six-figure f- salary for a coach? For a pitching coach of a major league baseball team. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I, I understand his disappointment. Okay, great. Like, you didn't walk on the moon, but, like, <laughs> he's making it sound like he's, like, some shattered, worthless husk of a man when he is literally has a job that people would kill for. I'm garbage. <laughs> Throw me away. I'm trash. So Carl looks at Mac at the end of this, and then Mac fucking is like, uh, and looks like, looks away, like, I don't know what to make of this. It's like, damn straight, you fucking reductionist, like, you <laughs> asshole. Like, you gotta go do this. Go do this. It's so simple. Make the right choice. What now you- Mac doesn't know what the fuck to do. So he yeah. cut later to that baseball field. And Carl's out there hitting balls by himself right next to the Canadian flag. Because <laughs> there is a flag at the stadium. <laughs> wherever Seacouver might be. Where, wherever indeed. <laughs> I still have problems with Mac because I'm going to shit on Mac constantly throughout this. Like Mac shows up and he's like, it won't go away, Carl. It's not Trey Franks you have to look at. It's what's inside you. And it's like just a second ago, you were really conflicted about what's going on. Because you saw it was difficult and upsetting. And, and right away you're like, oh, isn't this easy? Just look at yourself, you asshole. Like, yeah. fuck! <sighs> anyway. Mac is exasperating in this episode. So sanctimonious. Just because one prophecy was made about him. He thinks, yeah, he's he thinks fucking he owns the king, king shit of fuck mountain. <laughs> yeah, because I was, oh, I was born on the winter solstice. I killed the voice of death. King shit of Mac Mountain. Oh, yeah. King Mac of shit mountain. King Mac of shit mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so then Matthew shows up. Yeah, I thought this was a cool shot. He kind of comes out like of the shadows. Yeah. Shadows. 
Jettos. So Mac tries to intercede, but Matthew's like, this is between me and Carl. You should have gone north, Carl. So I guess that means Seacouver isn't in the north. Well, no, he's implying you should have gone north 200 years ago from uh, Louisiana. Like, then you would have... That never would have happened. just in Louisiana. Got it. This yeah. is an alternate universe <laughs> where uh, Canada's on the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> it might be. So this is cool. Like, they're both, they're, they're both, like, ready to fight, but it's clear that neither of them, like, have their hearts really and truly in it. I like, I do I like this. I, I like this sequence. I do too. Also, I like that like Mac is like, oh, like the world's changed. Like Carl is a different person now, and mm. Matthew's like redemption does not come that easy, which is interesting, I suppose. Yeah, this episode is like packed. I think full of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Carl says, fine, like we'll fight, but if you win, he's like, promise me, you'll let Trey Franks go. Like he did not do this. You can't let him. Yeah, uh, take right. the fall. And then Mac yeah. is like, yo, listen, listen to Carl. Like, is that the kind of person you want to kill? Like. That's yeah. compa- that's real compassion. Yeah. But Matthew still isn't buying it. And then Mac lays on him that, like... Your honor won't be served by Carl's death. <sighs> just your pride and your vanity. That's right. Last week, I <laughs> killed somebody for uh, making fun of me 400 years ago. <laughs> for my pride. <laughs> yeah. For my vanity. Yep. But he does make a good point. Let me show you who I am. It is true. Yeah. That argument still holds true. Uh, and then Mac is like, you could forgive him. Which, of course, is a callback because that's what Matthew McCormick said to Carl that he seems to have forgotten. It's like, oh, yeah, you can forgive people. Yeah. It's on the table. So then they come up with a crazy plan. Yes. To have Carl Robinson commit suicide by cop, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he's just going to traumatize these police officers who are going to be loathed by sports fans forever. killing <laughs> <laughs> like, like an all-star oh, Famous baseball player. Well, they send Mac in to try to reason with him. Which is nuts. They would not do that. Yeah. Send a civilian in to talk to a man with a gun. An armed and dangerous man. (laughs) And an armed uh, accused murderer. Yep. Yeah. Who had no hostages or anything. No. Yeah. He had no leverage. He didn't have a shotgun, however. That's true. Mm -hmm. Mac goes in, comes back out, says he can't reason with him. The shot where he comes out of the warehouse is awesome. Mm -hmm. The shotgun. It's like a 360 degree shot. Yeah. It looks really good. This is all exciting. Like, there's a lot of tension. He's like, this guy's going down hard or whatever. And then they shoot the shit out of him. Yeah. Yeah, It's pretty actually nuts how much they shoot him. Yeah. So then after all this goes down, we cut to the morgue later and Matt has let in Mac, I guess, and they are breaking Carl out of the morgue. Right. Uh, And there's, once again, we've lightened this up so we know everybody's friends. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And so Carl's making jokes. Oh, who picked this out? Your mom or whatever? These clothes? They're cooling Max clothes. Right. And he's also, I guess, mad at McCormick. He's like, you have to let those guys shoot me so many times? It's like, that's kind of funny. It is funny. And then Max's like, you should have killed him. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. This is good. So then the denouement is back at the baseball field. Uh, Trey Franks is there picking up some equipment. We got some some happy music. music. And Mac is like in his post-sex outfit. (laughs) Basically, he's got like the long hair going. Oh, that's right. Do you think they fucked? Yeah, probably. Like all three of them? Yeah, I bet. That's just the Euro Minutes. Then Robinson shows up to traumatize this man for life. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've appeared. (laughs) Uh, What if he had a heart attack? (laughs) Amazing. Trey Franks is garbage. He eats corn dogs all day. (laughs) My heart's not so good. So anyway, he thanks him or whatever. Whatever, and he's like, you did do a good thing. Uh, also, we should mention, because I'm sappy about this, also when Matthew McCormick and Carl were squaring off in the in the bleachers, there's another line. Carl says something about it. He's like, also, you tell Trey Franks, like, he's not garbage. Like, nobody's garbage. Like, everybody, does, you know, blah, blah, blah. I got teary-eyed a second time. I was like, <laughs> because oh. nobody's garbage. I was like, oh, this is so good. I loved it. Anyway. 
Uh, so that's kind of reiterated here. Like, oh, you did do a good thing. Like, your life does have meaning because yeah. of what you did for me. Uh, and that's pretty much the episode. Then it ends with, like, they go off. Trey Franks gets on the mound, throws the ball up. I guess they couldn't pay for the rights or didn't want to use the rights to take me out to the ball game because there is a take me out to the ball game sound alike. <laughs> and then a free stream. Is that frame. not it? It oh. wasn't take me out to the ball game. It's How just, is that in the public domain? I don't know. I figured it would be. Maybe it isn't or I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the MLB owns it for some crazy reason. Huh. Or it was, like, actually created, like, in 35 and is just barely still. I don't know. Or was in, not in the public domain at the time. Anyway, and that is this episode. Before we chat about it, you uh, want to play a game? Game time. All right, guys. It's game time. We're going to do something a little different this time. Uh, we're going to be doing straight-up trivia. Oh, and straight so up. you answer when you know the question. Nope. What? When you nope. know the <laughs> answer. <Is it> Jeopardy? <laughs> That's right. When you know the answer, just say it. Uh, whoever gets it right first gets a point. Say the answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And of course, if you, one person gets no, it you wrong. just repeat the question. <laughs> the first person to hear and repeat the question. That's right. <laughs> You're only allowed one guess. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh, and so if you guess, get it wrong. The other person obviously has an opportunity to steal that point. Uh, mm. You know, no, no real uh, rush on their part yeah. uh, to get it in. That's oh, so we're said. not guessing at the same time? Well, you we are. are. Oh, we are. Yeah. Okay. We'll blow through these, but the, the little twist is this is Highlander rewatched trivia. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. So it's some, trivia, it's some trivia about us. Oh, my dude. Creepy. <laughs> All right. Let's see how we do. All right. Ready? We're going to get... first question. Who has the smallest dick? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Amen. <laughs> ready, guys? Yep. Mm. What episode is the character Carrot from? Revolutionary. Kyle gets the point. Fuck. Yes. Bonus question. What is that character's real name? Karos. Correct again. Fuck. <laughs> Which is the only episode all three of us have not been on? Uh, Revenge of the Sword. Correct. God damn it. I was on that one. Yes, I know. Kyle was. I was not. Uh... Uh, what is the name of Christoph Lambert's stunt double? Uh, Christopher Lambert. Chris... Lambert. Amy gets the point. What? You double guessed. You said no, it wrong. I didn't. But no, I didn't. It's Christopher Lambert. Lambert. Guess two. <laughs> right. right. Fine. It's Chris, it's Chris Lambert. All right. Where did Chris Lambert grow up? God damn it. Uh, Cape May. Brooklyn? In an orphanage by the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> no one gets a point. That's, I, that's my character that I created. <laughs> I created and I, you. And I got it wrong. <laughs> Wait, that's not actually his stunt double? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ready, guys. This famous Highlander villain likes to show up unannounced, has a a penchant for tuna fish, and has an unusually high voice. Kyle's correct. It is Slan the Cat. I'm getting smoked. Yep. Hi, Eamon. Hi. Uh, On muscular slash ripped guys, the lines on both sides... Cum gutters. Yes, the answer is... Cum gutters, <laughs> guys. We're Lightning about to, round. This is a we're gonna do. Switch it up in the middle of it. We're doing an impression off. So you Ooh. both get an opportunity to do an impression, and I will be the this is, this is unbiased, the gap. impartial Ooh. judge. Impression off, Joe Amon. I'm a watcher. All right, Kyle. Joe. He's a Law and Order fanatic. Amon gets yeah. the point. Impression off, Kyle Duncan. What you don't do. Uh, the possibility you lit him on fire? <laughs> Eamon Duncan. Dalman Ross knew it. So I was just going to leave it there. Kyle gets a point <laughs> yeah. for that one. All right. Kyle had a Frankenstein of sentences there. <laughs> so he gets a point. It's Eamon, alive! Oppression off Ann Lindsay. 
<laughs> Dr. Ann Lindsay. <laughs> Kyle, Ann Lindsay. You've got to call the police. <laughs> Eamon gets the point with a spot on. Yes, yeah, spot on. A, that's a spot on impression of Eamon's of impression Angela of Lansbury. It's, it's a highlight to rewatch trivia game. So, all right, moving on back to regular trivia. How many episodes did we record on the original Highlander movie? Not counting the supercut. Seven. Six. I wrote down five question mark because I think I was supposed to check. <laughs> <laughs> all right, no one gets that point. Kyle said what? I said six. Eamon, you said seven? Yep. All right, we'll check later. We'll, we'll get back to it. If it matters, we'll see. <laughs> Whoops, everybody. Uh, the Immortal Buzz is also called the... Immortal Spidey Sense. Kyle gets a point. <sighs> we haven't called it that for a while. In well. my defense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which character looks like a video game palette swap? Uh, uh, <laughs> Nicky Ward. Kyle gets a Fuck. point. <laughs> Jesus. Damn it. Stink. Uh, Fat Dave Foley is in which episode? Revenge of the Sword. Revenge of Sweet. Two guesses. Shut up, <laughs> Kyle. It's the uh, road not taken. That is correct. I did forgot. You say that he did, did. but oh, it's okay. But I it didn't count because he lost. Wouldn't allowed. Wouldn't allowed multiple guesses. Yep. No. Like Rodney Dangerfield, this character can't get no respect. Joe, that is kind of true, but uh, I don't think we made that joke. I don't know, Richie. No, this is Mountain Men's Caleb Cole. Oh, respect. Uh, did we ever say that? Was that? Tricky. Do we ever make that joke? We or must, don't we? No, I don't think we do. Yeah, I don't know either. All right, no one gets a point anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Keith <laughs> loses a point. Shut up. Which episode did Richie earn the name Raw Dog Ryan? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Line of Fire. Correct. <laughs> the Line of Fire is. Are you even on the show? <laughs> uh, apparently not. Bonus, who gave him that nickname? Eamon? Kyle. Oh, I did? Nice. Oops. Sorry, I didn't Great. get you. Great. Nobody gets a point. Great great, uh, great joke I made there. Which episode do I always get mixed up with See No Evil? For evil's sake? Correct. Ooh, Even, ooh look at that. Ugh. Catching up. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I don't think I am. Uh, you are definitely not. Which? <laughs> uh, what is our nickname for the episode, For Evil's Sake? Uh, Absinthe Rewatched? No, but interesting guess. I don't remember. All right. I might give Kyle a point for that because that's a fun one. Uh, mime time was what I was looking <laughs> oh, for. Mime, mime time. time. Yeah. <laughs> Although, yes, Absent Rewatch <laughs> was in- mentioned that's in that. That's a classic uh, joke. Kyle, what did you get aiming for Christmas on the podcast this year? Uh, oh. Well, I, I assume we can both guess on this, but. Uh, yeah, that's I- that's the. Yeah. So what did Kyle get for Eamon for Christmas? Uh, I got him like a something for his sword, like a sheath for his sword. All right. That's a guess. Uh, a jacket. I'll give it to Eamon. It's uh, a trench coat. I got him a trench coat. Uh, trench. What did Eamon get Kyle on the podcast for Christmas? Uh, carton. Yeah, it was a carton. That's right. Carton tin. What did carton the two of you get me for Christmas this year? Nothing. Nothing. That's correct. <laughs> uh, nobody gets a point for that. Two more, guys. In what episode does Keith posit Duncan got a blowjob and a flashback in the Old West? <laughs> in the Old West. Mm-hmm. Which one was that? Uh, These obsession? two. Go- nope. I could still taste you. shit what's it called under color of authority no Uh, the answer is the fighter kyle interesting what happens in the fighter he gets a blowjob in the flashback (laughs) he's he's hanging out with the the girl in the bed you're don't derail the game here we go (laughs) and finally this is a theme in which episode did richie get an on-screen blammer jammer (laughs) oh yeah uh shit uh chivalry correct (sighs) now i don't know if i really need to count up the points kyle has no, I won. screwed the pooch. <laughs> well, that was fun, guys. That was fun. Yeah. For me. No, it wasn't No, I'm fun. sorry. 
And apparently, I don't know how many episodes we recorded for the original. You, I think it might have been seven total. I thought it was seven with the supercut. Maybe seven. I've, I thought. Or it was, think it was seven alone. I don't remember. <laughs> it's one or the other. Write in, listeners. <laughs> tell us what the answer to the game was two, supposed to be. Or we could just take two seconds to check it on our phone. We don't but... have the time. <laughs> yeah. We don't have the time. Well, there we Good go, work. guys. Good well, work, before Kyle. we give our review of this episode, why don't we take a look at the Watcher Chronicles? Yes. We got a couple. Yes, Queen. <laughs> First up is Myron Corman, that goofball from the beginning. Myron Corman. That's, known, that's, yeah, that's, known aliases Jack Wagner. What? And, or Clint Mitchell. He was born in 1862 in Denver, Colorado. His first death was in 1882. The loser of a quick draw competition. I guess he was not a good artist. First teacher was Sarah Mae Bristol. <laughs> Original cultural affiliation, American. Unique characteristics, left-handed. <laughs> yeah, so unique. Uh, no fixed base of operations. Occupation, drifter. Oh, boy. And there we go. So his Chronicle reads, It's been a long time since the last shootout at the OK Corral, but Corman still manages to live his life like a character from a John Wayne movie. High Plains drifter type, he rides into a new town with his trusty old Mustang, a cherry red 68 convertible, and scopes out the locals. Maybe knocks over a bank if he's short on whiskey money. When he finds the guy with the fastest gun in town of the long, sharp, pointy steel variety... What? So they mean a sword, sword. not the a guy pointy with the fastest. Gun. The goddamn Final Fantasy <laughs> Seven, Eight, Ooh, whatever. I like the uh, the gun sword. Yeah, it's the gun sword. Yeah, uh, he takes him on at high noon. So far, he's managed to ride off into the sunset every time. But he better watch out. The man who shot Liberty Valance is always out there. Corman's bound to meet his match someday. Then I guess it'll be Boot Hill for him. All right. What? Next up is Matthew McCormick. No alias is Matthew of Salisbury. Matthew of Salisbury. Yes. Cool. <laughs> he loves that Salisbury steak. Also, sure. why does he have such a strong southern accent? I guess he lived there for a while. Been yeah, a while. But, but that also wasn't his original accent. Well, that's okay. And he still has it 200 years later. Anyway. Maybe ahead. he still lives down south. <laughs> that's true. He could be. Uh, born 1222, Salisbury, England. First death, 1255. Skewered by Lance while jousting in a tourney. Oh, he was literally a knight. Yeah. Uh, first teacher, we're gonna have a problem saying this, Seardwin, or Sidwin, however, you uh, know. Uh, yeah. That's fun. Yeah, that is fun. Uh, original cultural affiliation, English, recent base of operations, Washington, D.C., occupation, FBI, special agent. And here's the funny thing, Watcher, because usually I don't read the Watchers because it's like, who cares who their Watcher is? It's just some rando name. Watcher, Agent Donna Skulder. <laughs> I think this is supposed to be an Exiles... <laughs> Dana Scully, yeah. Donna Skulder, Scully yeah. and Mulder, Skulder, Skulder. Yeah. And his chronicle reads, I've never seen a more meticulous investigator than Matthew McCormick. He doesn't miss a clue, a nuance, an inflection when he's puzzling out a case. I wonder if his immortality has something to do with it. Maybe he can't afford to take the time to do the job right when he doesn't have the same clock of mortality ticking in his head as the other agents. Yeah, because that's what people are thinking on the case. Like, I got to solve this now because I'm about to die. Yeah. <laughs> The grim specter of death <laughs> lurks, lurks behind me. Behind me. <laughs> it's going to cause me to miss these clues. Yep. <laughs> uh, boy, uh, it's a theory. What it means for Matthew is he gets the high-profile cases the Bureau can't afford to botch, and the tough cases the others can't crack. He knows firsthand the X-Files are not just a TV show. Oh, they really go on. Uh, Matthew's got an unshakable sense of right and wrong and a code of ethics that's extremely important to him. I'm so sure he researches aliens. Yes. 
Okay, cool. <laughs> Just making sure that that's what that was supposed to imply. Right. Uh, I'm sure it's something he's carried with him through the centuries. Whether pursuing Corey Reigns through the Greenwood of Lincolnshire or helping Mako keep the peace in the Old West. Hey, hey name drop. It makes him an unswerving friend and ally and an equally committed enemy. Mm. Mm. Carl Robinson is the last one of the episode. No analysis. Carl Washington and Carl Jefferson. Born. I'm noticing a theme. Yeah. They all had slaves. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not wrong. Well, that's typically where a lot of these names do come from. So, yeah. uh, Born, 1824, Louisiana. First death, 1859, wrongly killed by slave master. As opposed to rightly killed, killed by, by a slave, slave master? master? Yeah. All right. <laughs> First teacher, Matthew McCormick. Original cultural affiliation, American. Unique characteristics, wicked fastball. <sighs> Yo, wicked fastball, man. Recent base of operations, Trinidad. Occupation, Little League coach. Hmm. Yeah. That's not an occupation. It's not? Little League coach? They get paid, depending. Do they? Yeah. Like the people that go to the Nationals and stuff, those are like big league teams. If Carl's not careful, Trinidad-Tobago will take the gold medal for baseball in the next Olympics. He's a mighty fine coach, whether it's teaching the local kids to throw a screaming fastball or teaching Derek Worth all the stuff he's going to need to keep his head when he meets another immortal. Getting himself killed in that big shootout back home, ugh, not only meant he was a free man, it also meant his heirs could inherit most of uh, the fortune he made as a big leaguer. And he's been putting it to good use here. Already, there's a new community center and a library with after-school tutoring for the kids. Carl knows better than anybody that these kids need more than just a good knuckleball if they're going to be successful. He's really happy with what he's doing. He's making a difference. But it won't surprise me to see Carl Washington or a Carl Jefferson starting in an all-star game in another decade or two. Carl Robinson. So that's that, guys. Nice. Let's talk about this episode. What do we think? I love it. I think this is a really good episode. Uh, there's some frustrating parts with our own Duncan McLeod, but I love the conflicts that are set up in it. You know, the conflict between McCormick and Robinson is great. You know, the whole question of, you know, the exploration of a, um, the way immortality conflicts with fame is interesting. You know, there's just a lot of good stuff to see here. And everyone delivers a pretty solid performance. And that fight scene is awesome. It's a real down and dirty fight. That's right. And they're both obviously game for a good physical scene. <laughs> yeah, you want to say that again? Yeah. <laughs> nope. Okay, nope. Nope. That's Nothing wrong with that sense. Yeah. Well, we should mention a little trivia here. This was actually intended. Well, this part was written for Eric McCormick. And apparently, there's a funny story where he comes in, I guess, to the office, like Gillian or David's office, and he was like, Oh, it's so funny. Like, the, the name of the character happens to be Matthew McCormick. Isn't that funny? It's my last name. And it's like, Yeah, we wrote it for you. Like, <laughs> like on purpose. On purpose. <laughs> uh, but they intended this as a backdoor pilot for a possible spinoff show, which I think sounded pretty cool. Starring Carl Robinson? No, starring Eric McCormick. And oh. he was apparently super game for it, and then he ended up, you know, going on to Will and Grace and making way more money than he I'm would have probably sure. made on this. Uh, but their intention was, hey, this would be a, I guess Gillian Horvath dreamed up this character, and she thought, it, I think, it's, I agree, it's a cool idea that he could be a kind of traveling FBI agent investigating murders all over the country and finding bad immortals and taking them down, or just solving regular crimes. Interesting. Uh, and they thought, like, because they, they make him have, like, obviously, he's a little spotty, like, not a perfect hero, but he's like a... He's a good guy. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. That he pals around with slaveholders and is apparently okay with the institution, but whatever. (laughs) That's the diciest part of, like, when he's still defending that, it's like, 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 they were my friends. It's like, were they? Yeah. They seem like In retrospect, you could be like, they weren't really quite my friends. Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, that that's the the sticky part of yeah. this. Like holding a two hundred year grudge over the death of Slava. Or he could also I mean he could still be like they were my friends, because I'm sure they were friendly, but him not acknowledging that, oh yeah, you have a very different relationship <laughs> like than I did, like that ignorance, yeah. like willful ignorance is like ridiculous. It's like, come on. Yeah, like he should have said, like, yeah, I know they weren't great, but you didn't have the right to kill them. He's like, they were bad people, but you that didn't give you the right to kill them. And I told you before you did it that if you did it, this would be the result. I said it to you and you did it anyway. Like, I don't know. That's that makes it a little more sympathetic, I think. Do you honestly think he doesn't have the right to kill them? Well, I'm I'm a bit hesitant to say anybody has like the right to kill anybody. Right, sure. So it's about as sympathetic a killing as you're likely to get. Yeah, yeah. You won't but... find too many people objecting to it, other than Duncan McLeod. Yeah. Ca- <laughs> capital yeah. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously this guy had a personal stake as well. Right. McCormick wasn't just like isn't just after him as a blanket proposition he killed this guy. It's right. like this was a member of my family right. and you killed him after I asked you not to. He's not Sheriff Bad Guy from uh innocent man who was like a straight up southern racist, racist dude yeah in the northeast <laughs> wherever West. that place was yeah yeah <laughs> sheriff bad guy I yeah forgot that guy name. i didn't put him on the uh the trivia i, I, his, I wonder what his real name was he didn't have one that's why i think we oh, called him sheriff, sheriff bad, bad guy, guy. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i like that carl's back he's a a fun character he's a I great like actor he's yeah. such a great state like screen presence he's got a huge screen presence i mean he's also yeah. a huge man yeah, but yeah like you know his personality really comes through it's mm-hmm. like really big he's like a fully fleshed out character like within seconds I yeah think. even in the in the first episode he was in it's like wow i get this guy yeah why is joe in this episode does joe do anything uh no he no, doesn't he just, so he just provides a place for Carl to stay. Yeah it's, yeah, it's such a random scene, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty quick. I don't mind it. It's fine. It's, but it's, it's... it serves a mechanical plot purpose. Right. Of, you know, Max places under scrutiny. What do we do with them? Right. Right. It's, yeah. uh, so that's okay. Yeah. But it, it could have been anything else. I mean, it could have just been like, well, I mean, like, they could have gone back to the warehouse. True. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's a weird little thing. Yeah. But is there? Yeah, I don't mind it either. It's like whatever. It's fine. Yeah, this is a good one. This is know. a good one. This yeah. is quality. This is a must see one. Hmm. Want to rate this, mother? Let's rate it. Amen. How many RBIs would you give it? 3.5. 3.5. Yeah, I don't think it's quite a four, but I really like this one. For the reasons stated. Mm. Kyle, how many Lamborghinis would you give this episode? Lamborghinis, eh? I will give it four Lamborghinis. I really like a lot of the core of this episode. There's some things around the fringes that bother me about it. Some of the reused footage mac being such a tool those bring it down in my eyes but it's got like a strong central conflict between interesting and somewhat sympathetic characters the performances particularly from robinson and mccormick are both i think really strong the flashbacks look great this is a four in my book Kiefer sutherland how many tray garbage piles would you give this <laughs> i'm going to give this oh my god <laughs> Five. <laughs> Five. Five tray wow. garbage piles. You really like this, this one. This is this could be, dare I say, my favorite Highlander episode to date. Wow. wow. It's a I very good episode. I think this is really good. I, I don't mind the flashback, the 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 like uh reused footage flashback. I don't think it's like it doesn't feel too much like padding. I mean, like in the last episode, we didn't really complain about the reused footage from something wicked. I, I think this we didn't watch like a whole scene though. No, this is a little longer, but I think it's a, it's still a great flashback and it works well in this episode. As far as Duncan being a shithead, I actually don't necessarily slight that episode for that. I'd say fine. This is an episode about 
a shitty white dude. <laughs> like that's I I would just you know I I'm not gonna hold it against it. I would just say like when you think about this episode, that's something to think about. It's like how what is Max's reaction to the situation and his? I would say it's just wrong again. <laughs> like, yeah, though he doesn't learn anything. No, Mac it would be did, nice if Mac does not learn that he's being shitty. No, which is actually right. maybe a sign that the the writers maybe didn't think Mac was being too shitty. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm Ugh. curious about that. Huh? How many ancient grudges has Mac had? He's had like dozens ancient grudges. Yeah, so like, many, so this, many ancient grudges. This person did this to me 300 years ago, so I'm gonna fucking kill him right now. Right. Yeah. Whereas this was like this guy did one of the worst things a human being can do to another human being yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right. Essentially, and uh, and you that's, know, a, that's that's a problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's bullshit. <laughs> it kinda, yeah, but it's it an is. interesting episode, and this was another episode that I thought was just, like, layered with, like, tons. Like, you could have so many little, like, micro conversations about, like, little comments that are made in this episode. Like, I mean, we've been talking about, like, how McCormick feels and how Carl feels. Like, their entire sense of justice is all based on their orientation to Seth Hobart. Right. Which is like an interesting discussion to have. It's like, oh, well, for justice for one is something very different than the other. It's because they are both reacting to... This bad man who's an emblem for a worse institution. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. There's lots of little stuff. And then I, I, I really love the Trey Frank stuff that he thinks he's like a loser. And I, I don't know. I thought he gave a great performance. And I like got emotional. I was like, oh, this is so great. Like, Is it because you think you're garbage? Mm-hmm. And you just... You're I'm, only, I'm you're more only, trash. Yeah. Your only <laughs> hope is that you could find a, a better baseball player yeah. to sacrifice yourself for. Yeah, he's sacrificing himself for the love of baseball. Mm-hmm. For the love of the game. For the love of the game. For for a man that he knows cut off someone's head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. He saw it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Trey those Franks. Are the, those, those are the cheap seats now. There are, are yeah. blood stains and probably bits of bone stuck in the seats. Yeah. The head is still there. Yeah. <laughs> the head the is still, still there. <laughs> no, I, I I don't know. I lo- I think this is a great episode. It is a great episode. Uh, and yeah, uh, Bruce A. Young knocks it out of the park. He's Literally. Really hey, oh. Or does he just... Work the inside fastball. That's it. He's pulling the strings, baby. Pull the string. <laughs> Pull the string. Join us next week for another exciting episode of Highland Rewatch. We're going to be talking about Season 5, Episode 4, Glory Days. Make sure to head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. And make sure to give us a little review uh, or just rate us. It helps us get in front of more Highlander fans. Five stars. And if you can get, that's right. Five stars, Damon. And if you can, share the podcast. Uh, make sure, you know, if you got a Facebook group that you're interacting with, Drop it their way. Send it to your friends. Send it to your mom. Send Send it to your your enemies. Send it to my mom. Send it to my mom. My mom. (laughs) My mom the other day was like, I was like, uh, oh boy, what what are you doing this weekend? Are you hanging out with your girlfriend? I was like, no, she's going to New York, and I'm uh, recording tomorrow. And she was like, recording what? And I was like, (laughs) the podcast that I'm on. And she was like, oh, you're still doing that? (laughs) Yes, mom, I'm still doing it. Hey, and while you're supporting us, <laughs> you can always go on patreon.com slash rewatched and, uh, you know, become a, an official Highlander supporter. We'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. We've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, guys. <laughs>
Guys. You're going to live in that. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. Okay.